0: We are continuing in Colossians, continuing on in chapter three. It's good to see everyone here this morning. So last week Jeff talked about putting off some things from from the old nature. You know, it's one of those. He he stopped short of telling us that we were all going to go to hell, um, but you know that's kind of along that good fire and brimstone. You know, you're all sinners type of message. Um, but but definitely. A very, a very good message, and some people might look at this chapter and say that that was kind of the, the hard stuff, and this week is, is the good stuff, but in some ways, this week is the hard stuff, and last week was actually kind of some of the easy stuff, and I'll get into a little bit of that this morning, but first, I just want to start off with some prayer, so if you would, please bow with me in prayer. Father God, thank you that we can gather here today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you care enough for us to reveal your truth to us. So with that, Lord God, pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and that you would be the one who gives us the message that you would have us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I kind of received Christ, I don't want to say later in life, because, you know, 21, it's not really necessarily later in life, but I didn't grow up in church. Um, but I knew about God, heard people talk about God, um, and then even when I first received Christ, I was kind of going on stuff of the, some of the stuff that I heard about God, and that resembled a lot of what Jeff was talking about last week. Don't do this, don't do that, be a good person, and that's kind of what God wants. But what He wants you to do, first of all, is kind of like, it's kind of like the philosophy that I have with with ice cream you know, and, and cake and cookies and all that stuff. If you enjoy it and it's good for you, then don't do it. That was kind of my theology summed up. You know, if it tastes good, it's got to be wrong. Um, so I figured that if I just avoided enough of the bad stuff, that me and God, you know, we'd be straight. We'd be boys and, and we could go on from there. And some of you may have felt that way in the past as well you know, getting rid of whatever is kind of the, the hot topic of that time. If, if, if watching TV is, is bad for you and separating you from Christ, then, you know, I'm going to go on a TV diet. Uh, if, if being mean and talking behind people's backs at work is, is, is the, the wrong thing that the pastor's talking about this week, then I'm going to go on a, a gossip diet. You know, it's almost like spiritual fad dieting. You know, I got, you know, 10, 15 pounds of sin that I need to get rid of. So let me shed that real quick and uh and we'll be we'll be straight. But the truth is, is that that putting off sin, putting sin to death, I mean it, it sounds really, really strong, but it's really only a part of what we have to do. It's not enough to take those sins that were in uh, verses five through nine of chapter three. It's not enough to to stop doing that stuff. Um because if you take that out of the context in which Paul preached it, if you take it out of the context of being in Christ, then you go back to being what, uh, what we refer to as Cincinnati as a G-squared, you know, a good guy. You're, just, you're, you're a good person, sure. You're not doing some, some pretty significant sins, but without Christ, there's no substance there. And in fact, you may even be putting yourself in a bad position. Uh, we've got a verse here from Matthew chapter 12, this is Jesus teaching. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to the house from which I came. And when it comes in, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. This is some of that putting off of the sin. Everything is is clean, tidy, dusted, then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. So it will be with this evil generation. So it's, it's not enough to just put off. It's not enough to just empty the house. Because once the house is empty, you're going to look for something to fill it. Or something that wants to fill it is going to find you. And I, I, we talked about this in our community group this week. What on that list? What on that list in chapter 3? And, you know, I'll just read out a couple. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is hard to say, which is idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander. And I'm, I'm reading from uh, the New Tumor translation. This one says, cussing like a sailor. You know, <laughs> What, what on that list can you not live without? What on that list must you, must you have so, so bad that, it, that it's hard not to do it? None of those things add any substance to our life. And again, that's why it's only, only part of what's going on. in fact, you could have all those sins out of your life, except for maybe idolatry, because, you know, that's the selfishness that leads to pride and all these other things. But most of those things you could cut out of your life and you're still not even a Christian. You're a G-squared, good guy, good girl, but you're not a Christian separate from Christ. But what God tells us through Paul is to put on Christ. That's what we're going to talk about today, put on Christ. So let's take a look, and we'll read this together. Chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Amen. The word of the Lord. So Paul begins this passage right off the top, pointing us back, to where his whole letter has been since the beginning. He's pointing us back to our identities, or to the Colossian church, to their identities in Christ. The letter, if you look at the beginning of the letter, in verse 1-2 it says that the letter is addressed to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So it's addressed to those who are in Christ. The mystery revealed to believers that he talks about in 127 is Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul directs the believers to walk in Christ in chapter two. Believers died and were raised in Christ, which was the introduction to this chapter, chapter three. Everything that Paul lays out points back to Christ and his preeminence. So again here, he starts with these verses that he begins with the identity of in Christ, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And the point that, that Jeff has been making throughout the series is that the doing comes from being. Because we are children of God, these things that we take off, these things that we, that we put on, that is how we're able to do that is through Christ. So we'll jump, hit, jump in here in... A, Verse 12. Chosen ones, holy and beloved, children, children of God. He's reminding them over and over throughout this letter that I'm coming with something different. I'm not coming with these, these acts of piety, these outward acts that, that can lead to pride, that can lead to, to control by human standards, but you are God's children. And because of that, then he tells them to, to put on, to put on some things. And basically, you know, as we get into this, the bottom line is he's telling them is, is put on Christ, you know, put Christ on, that's who you are. So put on that identity and live in it. But he starts off with telling them to, to put on compassionate hearts. And you got the whole list there, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and you can't have one without the other. It's just like the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. They're all, they're all one. They're all together. All right? And then I have a uh, Maya Angelou passed away this week, but I have a quote from here that kind of will help us out as we start to talk about forgiveness as well. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself is to forgive. So forgive everybody. And we're going to talk about that a little more here in a couple of moments. But, but keep that in mind, that that forgiveness... It's not really a favor that you're doing for someone else. That's a gift to yourself as well because it allows us to experience a little bit of the mind and the heart of God. So he starts off the B. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. We got a got the chart here, so we got B on that side. Everything is couched in that, being God's holy ones, chosen. And beloved, the first thing he tells them is to put on compassionate hearts. It is a do. It is something that we do. However, this is, this is character. This is deeper than, than checking off uh, something on a list. This is deeper than, you know, okay, I got compassion today, kindness, humility. I'll take all those out of the closet. This goes to our, to our character, to our being, to who we really are. So that as God's chosen ones, this is what flows out of us. The more that we identify with Him, the more that this is going to flow out of us. And then we're also called to endure and forgive. You know, in some translation, it talks about bearing with one another. Now, stop here for just a moment. There's, there's, something, there's something in the text. If, if, you, if you don't see it, I'll point it out real quick. He says... To endure and forgive. There's a command there, but there's also a promise that's kind of unwritten that you are going to have the opportunity to endure and forgive. That you're going to have the opportunity to bear with one another. So he's not sugarcoating this and being like, hey, it's going to be easy. You know, you just do this. There's going to be opportunity to have this tested. So you will have opportunity to exercise it. And he says. As the Lord forgave you. Again, there's two things there. As the Lord forgave you. There's one that I think that we don't have a problem dealing with. One that, that, that we understand. One that we talk about a lot. And that's that we forgive because the Lord forgave. We realize we're, we're forgiven of our sins. We're made children of Christ. And because you know, the Lord forgave me, then, then I should also forgive. What we don't deal with quite as much is that we have to forgive as the Lord. In other words, in the same manner that he forgave. And the manner in which he forgave was he forgave when we didn't deserve it. That's very hard for us to think about. It's hard for us to think about forgiving somebody who doesn't deserve it. Somebody who maybe doesn't even realize that they offended us. Someone who... Maybe he doesn't realize that what they did was wrong. But that's the manner in which God forgave. So we got to understand both of those to understand what Paul is saying when he says forgive as the Lord forgave. And then put on love. Kind of the last one of, of this little section. He, ta- he says to put on love which holds everything together. Now, as I studied this, there's a couple of different schools of thought on what he means by that it binds everything together in, in perfect harmony. Does it mean that love binds together that previous list, the compassionate hearts, the kindness, the humility, the meekness, and patience? Or does it mean that love binds people together? That is he addressing the church and saying that love will bind you together as a community, as a congregation, as a people of God? So I'm, I'm, I'm looking through, studying, being diligent, praying about it, applying a seminary education that, because I'm slow, spanned nine years of my life. You know, nine years of my life. I tapped into three years at, at Grace Church as an elder. I tapped into four years so far as a chaplain. And I was, I was like, okay, God, you're going to give me the answer. And I came up with the deep theological conclusion that the answer is yes. That the answer is yes. Of course, love is, is, is a foundational principle behind those other, the, the, the other things on the list. You know, they kind of are even characteristics of love. They are components of the fruit of the Spirit, so that makes sense. But love also does bind us to each other. Love also binds us to God and God to us. So, so love does bring things to perfection, as Paul said in uh, 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, that the greatest of these between faith, hope, and love is love. So, yes. So i, I give you guys the, uh, the cliff notes, the cliff notes version, all right? Somebody asked you, yes, it binds all that. Together, So these are our our individual and our community interactions because Paul is talking about the the community here. He's talking about our our relationships with with one another. And then he continues on in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule. Rule in your hearts. Again, this has an, an individual component because you can't have peace in a community without having peace in the individual. But after coming off of the list of compassion and talking about forgiveness and love, again, he is addressing the church to be a body that's in harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule. The, the meaning behind that that word, that that word rule is to officiate, to, to govern. So as you have disputes with one another, as, as those opportunities, and that's what we're going to call them, we're going to call them opportunities, as those opportunities to forgive come up, you have to choose the path of peace. That doesn't mean no conflict. Because there's going to be some conflict. It doesn't mean that you can't talk. It doesn't mean that you don't work things out. It doesn't mean that you set aside what we know God would have us to do in order to be non-confrontational. It's not saying that, but it's saying to make the choice towards growth. Make the choice that will have the relationship reach the next level. Make the choice that would model Christ as we let His peace rule in our individual hearts, and in our collective hearts as God's children. And we're thankful. We're thankful for that. We're thankful that God shows us a way that we can kind of conquer what's naturally in us when we're, when we're in our fallen state, that we can conquer that old self because Christ has shown us the way of peace and the Holy Spirit fills us and allows us and reminds us to walk in that, in that same peace. Let the peace of Christ, uh, go ahead and bring up the chart. So we let the peace of Christ rule in in your hearts. And that's plural. Again, that community aspect. it's It's plural, addressing everyone. And the hearts is also plural. So we're talking about the many. It's almost, you know, dare I say, it's almost common sense when you step back and think about it because there's there's we can be at peace with ourselves of course but in order to exercise the true peace of Christ other people have to be involved so we can't look at look at look at these types of verses and indeed a lot of the things that are in the Bible and think that we can do this in isolation because we can't we can't do it in isolation we can't have the mind of God in isolation. We can't exercise what God would have for us in isolation. We can't love God by ourselves. We ourselves can love God, but we can't love God by ourselves. God didn't, didn't put us um, here to be individuals. And we definitely can't love our neighbors and those around us as individuals. So we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Continuing on to verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So these are the community actions. These are the actions that we take in a community. So we're getting kind of more into, into what what we're going to do, and that the word, the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, the you there, is plural. So it's talking about among those to whom he addressed the letter. So it's talking specifically about believers. Again, it's not a it's not a prayer, you know. It's not a a response to an altar call. Christ, his word has to to dwell. And an important thing is that it's not just talking about the, as uh, Jeff brought up in our meeting earlier this week, it's not just the red letters in the Bible that, that is that Word of Christ, but the Word in the whole Scripture. And as its witness is to Christ, that has to dwell in us, it has to shape us, that is to, to grow us, and that's that dwell richly. It's not just uh, even memorizing Scripture and being able to quote Scripture back or knowing things that I, I think thinker in the bible you know it's it's allowing the word of christ the scripture to actually shape who we are in our inner being it lives inside of us and as it does that it's expressed outwardly because it is our life as paul talked about that our life is in christ another effect of that plural when it comes to teaching He's talking to everybody. That means everyone has a teaching role. It may not be from behind a pulpit, or it may not be in a, in a Sunday school class, or it may not be as a community group leader, but there is a, a teaching role that everyone has as a parent, as a friend, uh, as an acquaintance, just as a testimony that there's a teaching role that we're all called to. It looks different for all of us. Some it's going to be going out and, and getting some, some formal education, for some, it's just going to be as that word dwells in you. That, that just the overflow of that in your life, doing whatever you're doing, you are going to be in a teaching role. The second thing, admonishing. Not a word that, that we use every day. Um, kind of intimidating, you know. But it carries the meaning of both warning Warning people against things that are wrong, stopping them before they destroy themselves, but also encouragement. So there's an encouragement aspect to the admonishing that that you're encouraging people to continue in the faith, that you're encouraging people to continue in their walks, you're encouraging them that there is hope out there. And then singing. And then singing. Dr. Cruz. Joseph, Abigail. You'd be a different kind of thankful if I began to sing. You wouldn't be so thankful, so you should be thankful right now that I'm not singing. Uh, But again, this is another one of those ones where there's a sense in which the singing is is the mode of teaching and admonishing in song because songs do have a way, if you just think back, Songs do have a way of, of getting inside of us. As you, as you know, a song, it, it, just, it just goes into your head in a different way that me up here speaking, it doesn't, it doesn't get there. I mean, I know there's songs that I learned a long time ago that, that I know you know, the words, the rhythm, everything right now. Now, I'm not going to prove it. I'm not going to prove it because, like I said, I can't sing. But it, it, it has a way of, of getting inside of you. But then there's also an expression of joy, where because that word is dwelling in us richly, that, that, that we have that expression of joy. And that, that's the kind of singing that I do you know, in the private, private moments. Our walls are thin, so that's no longer in the shower. That's more like in my car when I'm alone with the windows up, the AC on, things like that. But, but it's an expression back to God of the joy that we have because he is in us because he has taken the time to pay attention to us. So, there, so there's both there. Is Paul kind of giving us the command to sing? Maybe. A big part of me hopes not. Um, at, least not at least not in public. But, uh, but it is a way of, of teaching and admonishing one another that touches the Spirit in a way that, that is very different. Uh, if I was a worship pastor right now, I'd probably go real, real deep into that section. Uh, the, the book that the community group leaders have, that guy, I don't know if he's a worship pastor, but he's really into worship. And he, he was like, I'm going deep right here. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm with you, man, but, but back off a little bit. You know, I can't sing, I just can't do it. And in verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. See, I, I, really got, I really got stretched a little bit on this one. Um, one, one of the things that, that Paul's talking about, he alluded to this earlier in uh, chapter 1, verse 17, says, and therefore do all things in Him who holds all things together, talking about, talking about Christ. But this verse here really stands as the summary and the scope of, of that whole passage and really all, all, of, all of the book, all of chapter 3, I mean in a way, all of the Bible, all of life, is to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this was another one. Like I said, it challenged me. So I had to tap into all that, all that experience and opened up my, my Bible software. to. I'm going to do a word study on this word everything to see what he really means. Because he can't really mean everything. You know, there's got to be some, something in the Greek that I can look at that, that everything doesn't mean everything. Well, I looked it up. And it appeared in the Bible, just in the New Testament, about 1,288 times, something around there. And it meant everything. When it was real froggy, they translated it all. A couple times they translated it whole, and complete. Everything. Do everything. There was was no out. I had nowhere that I could hide from this scripture. It's do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And again, I think that's one of those that will tend to challenge us. It tends to be a little bit scary. How do I do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? But I think there's incredible freedom there. That means that you don't have to be a pastor or a missionary. You don't have to do these things in order to be a witness to Christ. You don't have to do these things in order to to fulfill the calling that's on your life. You don't have to look at something that gives you passion, whether it's art or accounting or engineering or something like that, design. You don't have to look at those things and think, this is only what God has me doing for a season. I got to find like my my, my, my holy calling. You know, I got to find, that's all secular stuff. I got to find what God really, really wants me to do. I know he's trying to send me to Africa or Asia, or he's trying to have me to, to, to be a, a pastor or something like that. No, there's opportunity there. Yes, it's, it's challenging, but it's an opportunity that right where you're at, without changing anything, God can use you. And I think I've told this story before, but when I was like, you know, what's, what's God got for me? You know, I asked a, a chaplain, what's God got for me? What, where does he want me to go? If, if he would just tell me and show me and da-da-da. And I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm almost at the verge of tears, but don't tell that to anybody. He says, hey, are you truly seeking God? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want God's will in my life. I want to be in the center of God's will. Yes. He said, hey, God can use you anywhere. God God doesn't have this secret calling for you hidden under one of five cups that he's moving around and you've got to guess the right one. He's like, God is not doing that to you. Just seek him wherever you're at and and he he will make use of you. I said, all right. Freedom. That's freedom. And that's what he's saying. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And wherever you're at, you're at least on the path. You're on that, that, that narrow way as you seek Him. So put on compassionate hearts. Put on love. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. Do everything in the name of the Lord. These are the commands that Paul is given as he's telling us, telling the Colossians to put on Christ. Be clothed in that identity as God's beloved. It's also a call to action. He invites us to live as his people. He's shown us that we have, God has shown us that we have a role to play. Even though he's sovereign, even though he's God, even though everything is, is, is from him and through him and for him, it's an invitation for us to have a role to play. I'm glad that he gives us commands, commands, uh, because what it means is, is in those days when I am struggling, in those times when I am tempted, in those times when I do slide, God is saying, hey, I've put something in you as well. You can find a little piece of your situation and you can take control of it. I've empowered you to have the opportunity to put those things off, to put me on. So again, it's, it's a challenge, but it's, it's freedom. It's a, it's a blessing that God has for us. So what what we have to do is participate in the process. God calls us to participate in the process. Really, I wouldn't call it two steps, but just kind of two phases, two ways of, of looking at it. The first thing is we have to be. Again, being leads to doing. Our doing comes out of being. We have to be a child of God. We have to receive Jesus as Lord. So, you know, if Jesus is not in that spot for you, and by that, if He's really not ruling in your life, then that's step one. And it doesn't come with an altar call. It doesn't come with a phone call or watching a DVD. It comes with allowing Christ to dwell in you, to ask Him for the forgiveness of sins, to ask Him to fill you and be your life. It's surrendering your your will, your rights to him, and having him to be your true head. So if if you're not there, or that's in doubt, you know I would I would encourage you. You know you can talk to me whenever. You can talk to to Jeff, any community group leader, someone else that you know that is there. Talk to them about it. Just as kind of a side note, I'm not really a, a rabbit trail kind of guy. But me, I actually kind of appreciate the fact that that here at, at transit that we don't do a lot of altar calls or altar calls every Sunday, things like that, because you know I think that can that can confuse some people at times. There's not, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's fine if it's structured the right way, but it's not just raising your hand and walking in an aisle. You know, to be a child of God—that's what Paul is really talking about. We got to put on Christ and really walk in His ways, and we have the confidence of knowing that we're there. So that's the first thing we got to do. We got to be a child of God. Then we get into the things that we do. Cultivate—you have to cultivate the gift that was in you, is within you. Participate in the process. Again, God doesn't call us. To be passive. One of those things that can be confusing when you look at things like humility and meekness. That's not a call to be to impassive, it is a call to the, pass of, to the path of peace. However, we are empowered. We are empowered to make a difference in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And therefore, one of the things we have to do is we have to pray. For courage. We've got to pray for courage to forgive. We've got to pray for courage to be humble, to be meek, especially in a in a time, in a place, in a world, and by that I don't mean 2014. I, I mean since man has has walked this earth. There's been a competition for for resources, to for power, for all of these different things. And you have to pray for the courage to go against that grain, because it's not natural. It's not natural. A lot of times we hear people say, Well, you know, I think all things considered, I think people are generally good. The Bible tells us something very, very different. After the fall, people aren't left to themselves, they're not generally good. So it takes courage to to be that light. In a place where people aren't generally good, we have to love our neighbor. One of the great commands: love our neighbor, and that's what. And Paul talked about that here, putting on love, putting on forgiveness, having compassionate hearts. Opportunity. I joked about it, but but seriously, how how do you know? that you're growing if you don't have the opportunity? How do you know if you're growing in forgiveness if you're never tested, if you're never stretched? How do you know if you're patient if you never have to, to exercise that? And, and oh, the neighbor, the, especially the literal neighbor. The literal neighbor can be a great place to exercise uh, some of the s- spiritual gifts, some of the fruit of the Spirit that, that God puts in us. We get stretched uh, by the neighbors choose peace choose peace this is this is very important in relationships choosing the path of peace like I said before choosing the action that actually makes the relationship go further another you know another illustration that that I know that I've used before but it's so true when you choose when you if you try to get even if you try to to teach somebody a lesson how many times have you taught somebody a lesson that you feel like they learned? Seriously, just, just think about it. How many times have you said, you know what, I'm going mm, to teach him. I'm going to teach her. I'm going to teach him. going to go to bed hungry, you know, or just whatever, whatever it is. You know, I, I, I don't want to keep it about couples, but, you know, you couples, I know you know. I'm going to teach them. If this goes away or that goes away, yeah, then she'll learn. He'll learn. How many times has a person, if it's happened after the service, come straight to me and let me know? How many times have you decided you're going to teach your spouse that lesson and they've come up to you and said, Oh, spouse of mine, I've been noticing over the last couple of weeks you've been teaching me a lesson. I want to let you know that I've learned it and I thank you for teaching me said lesson. In the future, if I'm out of line, feel free to teach me another lesson. Thank you. If it's happened again, please tell me. Please tell me. But the path of peace is choosing that action which actually will further the relationship, which will actually take it that next step, which actually lets you model Christ. To learn about Christ. Because it's not just about modeling either. It's not about, well, I'm going to do this and everybody's going to see and they're going to be attracted to Christ. It, it's, it's about you as well. Feeling like, oh my goodness, I see, I see why God maybe made some of these decisions. This actually does, man, this actually does feel good. This actually is good. I feel accomplished. I feel like I partnered with God in this action. So we choose the path of peace. Fill yourself with the Word. Fill yourself with the Word. Reading is, is a great place to start because it's right there. We can access it. We can go over it time and time again talking about the Word with other people, singing those songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, all of these things just so that the Word is kind of just in you, the way that you know, your favorite TV commercials in you, you know, you see that time and time again, and it just comes up when you see things in life. Well, that's how we want to be with the word that when we see something, we're like, oh, yeah, that's this. So we fill ourselves with the word. And I choose this last one, let Christ invade, invade your whole life. I don't know. Maybe I should have chose something a little more touchy feely. I don't know. But but just let him get all up in there, you know, take over even in those places where you think it's not either you don't want him there or you think well maybe it doesn't fit just let let Christ take over everything let him post up his flag and be the 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 lord the king the commander in chief in your life and it's not on here but just remember though that it's a process beating yourself up isn't isn't going to help if you if you make a mistake beating yourself up isn't going to help but keep going that's where, that's where these commands to put off, to put to death, and to put on, that's why I say it's such a blessing because God says, I, I am all-powerful, but I've put power in you as well. So when these things happen, and he's basically saying that they will happen, because you are my beloved, you, you have the ability to make a choice and we can move the relationship forward. So again, the don'ts from last week, they serve a purpose. A, a very important purpose. But you can fake that. Let's be honest. You can fake a lot of that. There's people also who that's very genuine for. But separate from Christ, they're still not His beloved. So the putting off, while very important, it's kind of escapable. And, and, it, and it may or may not really make a difference in your life. But the being a child of God and the putting on of Christ, that's inescapable. That's either, that's either real or it's not. There's no, there's no fake in that. Not truly. You may be able to do something with outward appearances, but you cannot truly fake that. We can concentrate on the don'ts. We can concentrate on all the stuff that we're not supposed to do and still fall short of what God really has for us as our Father, as one who loves us. In chapter 2, Paul says exactly that, right at the end of chapter 2. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom. So concentrating on the don'ts does have an appearance of wisdom. It has an appearance of righteousness. However, being a child of God and putting on Christ, that is the substance of the gospel. So Jeff used the the illustration about money and the people who, you know, they only deal with real money so that they can spot the fake. That's kind of what, what what, what Paul is talking about here. You know, let's let's deal let's deal with what we should be doing. The don'ts they kind of take care of themselves. There's not there's not room for a lot of that stuff if we're really running after God. <clears throat> An illustration that I like to use is is pre jump training. It came from the 82nd and when I was going through jump master school, there's this test called pre-jump. It's all the actions that you do before you're about to go on an airborne operation, before everybody gets shooted up and gets on a plane, you go through these rehearsals. Well, in these rehearsals, they say, only talk about the right way to do things. Some people like to have some examples, such as you've got a static line that deploys your parachute. Static line routes over your shoulder. So that's all you say. Don't tell them, hey, don't route the static line underneath your arm, because inevitably, inevitably all they hear is route the static line underneath your arm. And then they go out of the plane and they get their arm ripped off. You know, they get injured. Instead, you only concentrate on what you're supposed to do. And this training is given word for word. It's exact. If, if the, if the conjunction and is what you use, then that's what you use during this, during this training. You don't, you don't there's no shortcuts. There's no paraphrasing. You only deal with what's right. And that's the way to keep you safe. So that's what we want to do. If we do, if we put on Christ, the don'ts will take care of themselves. Community group a couple of weeks ago was, uh, was talking with Bob and we were talking about the beginning of of Colossians about seeking the things above and he, he just kind of made a comment what if you know to paraphrase what if what if Christians did what the Bible said you know what if what if we just did just the Christians just the Christians if we just stuck to the simple gospel and did what the Bible said that's a powerful statement this letter this this passage this letter that's the same thing it's addressed to believers so just think about that what if even just us just did what this said, that we put on Christ and walked in those ways. What impact could we have in the circle in which God has placed us? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word today. Help us to to have the courage, Lord, to follow you where you are leading us. Help us to put you on each and every day, to put on your ways, to live as your children. And thank you, Lord, that you give us the opportunity and the power to make a decision out of your goodwill. In Jesus' name, amen.